This week, we have another full slate of games to look forward to. Luckily for us, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered with so many different ways to get in on the action. DraftKings Sportsbook is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. Plus, they have new odds, boosts, and promotions on your favorite sports every day. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet from wherever, whenever, you don't even have to leave your house. And for those where sports betting is not yet available, head to the DraftKings app and check out all of their daily fantasy contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SI when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code SI to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Jim Cramer dominates Wall Street. And now he's teaming up with Bill Enright to help you dominate fantasy football. This is Bull Market Fantasy, presented by DraftKings. Yo, what's up? Welcome inside the Bull Market Fantasy Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings. Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, and Bill Enright. No Frankie today, Bill. What's up with you, my man? Ah, you know, that's music to my ears. We don't have to listen to... Big mouth Frankie all the all, all episode. It's just you and I, two two very intelligent betters and know a thing or two about the NFL. And we don't have to deal with Frank. Uh, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. I guess I don't know as much as I thought I did uh heavily back in the Baltimore Ravens this past uh this past uh weekend. But uh, you know what? The Buffalo Bills had a good game plan, Bill, and they put it down. You gotta give them their props. <clears throat> you know, that that, that game oh, was boy. close, right? For for starters, I mean you think about the series of events for, for the Ravens in that game. They're driving to score a touchdown. They're inside the five-yard line. Lamar Jackson throws a pick six. Okay, so that's that, that, that's really like a 14-point swing right there. No then on the, on the next possession, the next time he touches the ball, the snap goes over his head. He gets knocked to the ground, knocked out of the game, has a concussion. I mean, I can't think of two worse back-to-back plays if you're a Ravens player or a Ravens fan or, or Lamar Jackson, I mean, th- that's just brutal. Yeah. When you look at the game, Baltimore outplayed Buffalo in the game, but I, honestly, it does not matter um, if you don't get the victory. Now, who is the backup that came in for the Ravens? I apologize. I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't know his name. He played, I want to say it. What did he play for? I remember, well, I, remember, I remember betting on him last year. So it comes to my mind. He's he was a pack. I think he was a pack 12 guy. Yes, he um, was a Pac-12 guy. Yeah, Tyler Huntley. Where did he play ball? He played for Utah. I oh, played for. I was going to say BYU, <laughs> but I didn't want to be. Uh, you know, I, I didn't want to get the Mormons mad at me. No, um, no, no. I, I don't want them mad at me either. Yeah. So yeah. So he played at Utah. Okay. So he came in and he didn't look. He didn't look bad. Like that one pass, the incompletion of Marquise. Uh, Brown, that was a big incompletion. (laughs) That was was a big incompletion. But you know what? I mean, that if he catches that play, if he catches that ball, then I think it would have been a lot closer. I don't know if I I don't look back at that game and said, "Wow, the Bills dominated." I think the score might indicate that. 
but it's not the way I saw that game. And the same thing with the Browns and the Chiefs. If you look at that stupid play with Rashard Higgins and it's a turnover when he fumbled it out of the end zone, I hate that rule. But th that's another game. I think the Browns were very much in that game all the way to the very end until Chad Henney completed that pass on fourth down. But even with, with that Browns game, two very two two good teams that lost this week. And obviously, there has to be you know a loser in every game. But the Browns and the Bill Browns and the Ravens. If if you're a fan of either of those teams, you have to be excited about about the future of the franchise. No doubt. And speaking of the future of the franchises, let's start with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they'll come back next year. Lamar Jackson probably will not be the first quarterback to go off the board like he was in many drafts this year. That probably will go back to Patrick Mahomes. But it seems like we have our running back. Mark Ingram has been released. It seems like they got a running back in J.K. Dobbins. Still have some Gus Edwards in the mix. And obviously, Mark Andrews will be one of the top three tight, one of the top three to five tight ends to go off the board. Post-hype sleeper status of Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, still up in the air. I need to get a true number one on that team. But for the most part, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that's going to be around for a while. You know, there's a lot of really good wide receivers hitting free agency this year. I, I, I would not be surprised if Baltimore tries to go after at least one of them. Maybe someone like a Chris Godwin. I can see a Chris Godwin, maybe a Kenny Galladay, if he's not a franchise tag, but... I, I really think Galladay was like, I'm not playing for these dudes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's the guy got a contract coming up. I'm not trying to get hurt sitting out here playing for Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions. So I think the Galladay, I think, listen, you're right. There's a lot of good wide receivers out there this year. I think it's going to be interesting. What would you do with that running back position in Baltimore in fantasy in 2021? Because it always, for years, it seemed like in Baltimore, we don't never know who the running back is going to be for fantasy. Yeah. It always shakes itself out throughout the course of the season. But we go into 2021 kind of feeling pretty good about Dobbins, right? I, I feel great about him. And, and you and I were in a mock draft for Sports Illustrated, and it was a way too early mock draft. And J.K. Dobbins went the second to last pick in, in round two. Um, some other running backs that went in that round, James Robinson, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery and Nick Chubb. You actually took, you're the one that uh, Dobbins won right after you took James Robinson. So yep. I, I I think J.K. Dobbins absolutely should be a second rounder. I don't know if he goes ahead of any of these running backs that I just rattled off, but he's certainly in that conversation with them. Now, obviously we've talked about this before going, coming into this season, uh, it was a big push for Hollywood Brown to be, you know, a top wide receiver. It kind of didn't happen at first. He ended up actually ended up on waiver wires. He finished very strong down the stretch, though. So the post hype sleeper might be built into how he finished this year. But yeah. there's that, that there's that thing that 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 disappointment versus potential for Marquise Brown. It's going to be a lot of people that say, you know what, he didn't do what I want him to do last season when I drafted him. Then it's going to be a train of thought that saying, you know what. He did come on down the stretch. So where do you see, is his value as opposed to last season going to go up or down when we start drafting for 2021? You know, he did have a really strong finish to the second half of this year, six touchdowns in eight games. He either scored or had over 85 yards in, in all of those last, um, in all those last eight games. So you're right. Very strong finish. I think he, and you and I were hyping him up a lot this offseason. We really yep. wanted to draft him uh, as a potential high-end wide receiver, too. He never got there. I don't think he gets back to that ADP range for next year. I think he'll actually be undervalued um, because he burned so many people. Remember, the people that drafted him this year, they probably got so frustrated with him that they're, they're, they're going to be emotional and they're not going to look to draft him 
again in 2021. Um, that's the problem with a lot of people playing fantasy football. Uh, emotion becomes such a big part of their determining factor that they miss out on some guys that they, they really should take a much stronger look at. And I think Marquise Brown is going to be one of those players. I don't know if he gets the same hype heading into draft season as he did this year, but I think that's actually going to benefit some fantasy managers that still believe in them uh, like you and I do. Now, what's interesting that you say, you talk about how, how fantasy uh, managers are romantic. And that's there's been no truer phrase said in the 15 weeks of bull market fantasy. I know it's 15 weeks because um, I've already had, I already have a set up where when I, after when I posted is episode 15. Uh, so that's, an easy, on, that's an easy category system, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm already on top of that, right? Now, like I said, I don't think it's ever been true a word said in, in, in the 15 weeks of bull market fantasy. With that being said, I can remember, I must have been my third or fourth year playing fantasy football. My quarterback was Drew Brees. And at the time, it, was be my, it would have been my first year in playing fantasy, not making the playoffs. And I vowed at that moment to never draft Drew Brees again. And you know what? I stuck with that throughout my whole fantasy career. And you missed out on probably the best decade for a quarterback ever. He was just dominant for, from like yes. 06 to 16 or 06 to 15. He was, he was. And just I dominant. think the year I drafted him was like 05. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, I, but, I did miss out on it because of, because like you say, fantasy owners are romantic. Yeah. And I don't know why that is. I mean, there's not many things. A lot of, a lot of emotion in fantasy football, a lot of emotion in fantasy football. You know, I, I think. It, this is going to go a little sideways, but typically men are traditionally the, the dominant fantasy football players, right? Yes. Not, mm-hmm. not dominant as in their success is dominant, but traditionally fantasy football has more male players than females. And if you have a 12 team league, at least 10 of them will be of the male sex. Right. And, you know, usually, like, guys, you know, the whole stereotype about men is they're not emotional. Women yeah. are the ones that are emotional. But that's, you know, that's that's just a stereotype that has been built into society. Nothing that actually makes that a fact. But for some reason, guys get emotional when it comes to fantasy football players letting them down. And I never understood that because it just it's like going to the blackjack table or going to the roulette wheel and seeing black come out 15 times in a row and then saying, well, red has to come out the next time. Well, that's not the case. It's the gambler's fallacy. The fantasy fallacy is, well, that guy burned me last year. He's dead to me. Now I don't want to ever see him talk about him or draft him again. They like take the emotional quotient and, and times it by 10. It's just crazy. And I don't know why we do it, but we've all done it at one point or another. You did it with Drew Brees. I did it with Matt Forte. Matt Forte burned me so bad one year that I never, I vowed never to draft him again. And what do you know? The next five years, he was like top three in PPR formats every year. But the did year you? I took him, he was a bust, and I never let myself get over it. It's like it's a really, bad breakup. It, it really, it really is. You fought, it really is, and and you nailed it. You know what I'm saying? Every fantasy manager at some point in their fantasy career said, I'm never drafting blank again. Speaking of Matt Forte, do you remember the running back that came in for him towards the end of the, of the year, one year, when he got injured and ended up winning people fantasy championships? Was it was it from, uh, did he used to play for the Broncos? Was it, it, was when, it was when Forte was a bear. 
No, no, no. I'm saying, did the did the player that came in for Forte was it was it like not Orlando Scary or someone? But wasn't he a Bronco at one point? Maybe that was the case. Who was it? I was Mike Bush. Sound familiar? Something like that. Mike Bush from Louisville. Right. I can't. I can't. Was he from Louisville? I can't really remember, but I remember Matt Forte getting injured down the stretch of one season and him coming in and really and really saving people's bacon. Can't well, think of what his name was. Pro Football was. Reference doesn't even have a Mike Bush. <laughs> so I guess that wasn't his name. <laughs> no, but it, 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 there was a Bush out of Louisville. Bush, mm. Louisville. This is, I mean, this is stellar podcast right here. No, Bush, no, this is good stuff right here. Running back. Who was that? People at home are probably listening. They're like, you idiot. It is Michael Bush. Michael Bush. Michael Bush. Uh, Michael Bush, he was drafted by the Raiders. He did play uh-huh. for the Bears and the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know where I got that Broncos Orlando scary. Um, Michael Bush, Louisville running back. What was the year that he had a breakout season? Now, you know, pro football reference, they got to get together. I typed in Mike Bush. It didn't come up. Michael Bush does come up. He had a good year and he played for the Bears two seasons, 2012 and 2013. In 2012, he had 411 yards, five touchdowns. He had nine carries, 83 yards. Now let's see what Matt Forte did in 2012, huh? So you're saying he came in and he had a really good finish to the season, helped people win their championship? Michael Bush, you never know where it can come from. You never know where that's been. He had 1,000 yards, five touchdowns that year. Matt Forte was never, and he only had 40, he only had, um, uh, let's see, he only had 44 catches. So that was probably the year I drafted him. He had a career low in catches. Of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't he? You know what I'm saying? But listen, when when, when Matt Forte, you, when Matt Forte was good, he's one of the best running backs in the league. You know what I'm saying? But let's, let's, let's push it past the Chicago Bears because they're useless to this conversation. Sorry about that, Ben Heisler. Now, with that being <laughs> said, the Los Angeles Rams, Okay, this is your life, Los Angeles Rams. Good on defense. Quarterback is an issue. We think we have a breakout candidate at running back in Cam Akers. The wide receiver is just about all the same to me with Woods and Cup. We see Jefferson come on. Higby and Everett at the tight end position. I think we kind of know what everybody is. Is Golf the quarterback next year? Probably so because of the money situation. But I think going into 2021, the Rams are exactly what we think they are with Cam Akers potentially being a guy that is going very high in fantasy drafts. You know, I I don't know why Sean McVay came out and said uh, Jared Goff is our quarterback right now. Like he added that right now. It was very intentional for the uh, in that press conference. And then he doubled down on it when he was asked again. Um, He said everything is being evaluated. And you you said Jared Goff's contract situation. They don't really have a choice. They can't cut him. Uh, yeah, it, it would be way too much in dead cap money. So I, I'm I'm interested to see what what goes on with their quarterback and Jared Goff. But you're right, Cam Akers. I mean, he he was somebody that if you were patient with this season, because remember Daryl uh, uh, Henderson had a, had a, was it Daryl Henderson started off hot. I was playing him in the Kings Classic. Yeah, started off hot. And then he kind of he kind of tailed off, and Malcolm Brown never really got things going uh, too much. But Cam Akers came in, and and he won a lot of people their leagues this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a top three uh, top three rounds next year. Yeah, I I, I would agree with you one hundred percent on that one. And I think I think you could uh, 
And I think, listen, Cam Akers, it's, 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 it's litany. It's a Florida State running back, and Florida State running backs normally translate well to the National Football League. When we look at some of the other teams that lost this past weekend, then we got to get into the situation with the Cleveland Browns. We know what we have in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I am always going to be the Nick Chubb truther. I think if Nick Chubb would have played four seasons at Georgia healthy, I think he'd have been the best running back in college football history, even better than Herschel Walker. He comes into the NFL. He doesn't catch a lot of passes, but he's very solid at what he does running the football. Um, availability is a problem from time to time, but I'm always going to talk nice about Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt, we know what his skill set is. Landry, I'm not high on. Mayfield will probably never be my fantasy quarterback. But very curious, what do you think happens with Odell Beckham? I don't know if he's a fit for this team. You know, it's interesting that he's such an explosive playmaker, and they actually, Baker Mayfield actually started playing better without Odell. And I think you can, a lot you, of, you can relate to that, Bill. Remember Jeremy Shockey and Eli Manning? Yes. Eli Manning's career took off when Jeremy Shockey left. That's right. And I think a lot of that has to do with Odell commanding the ball. Now, that's not no fault of his own. I just think he's such a playmaker that you almost, the quarterbacks almost want to force the ball in their direction. Whether they get pushed in the face in the huddle. <laughs> that too. They don't want to get yelled at. They don't want to get embarrassed. But I think because um, Baker did not have to force feed Odell Beckham Jr. the ball is really one of the reasons why he started playing much better at the end of the uh, at the end of the season without this superstar wide receiver. I expect him to be back with the Browns next year. I know there were some rumors about about them potentially shopping him uh, during the middle of the season. Then he tore his ACL, so that took everything off the table. Maybe we see some kind of draft day trade or, or some kind of free agency trade in in the coming months. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't think it's too far of a stretch to see Odell back in a Browns uniform for 2021. I would agree with you on that one right there. And uh, finally, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints, who probably are going to look the most drastically different uh, coming into the 2021 season. We know what Alvin Kamara is, and really outside of that, fantasy wise, everything else is a question mark. So Michael we- Thomas, Michael Thomas, end up on a new team, and Drew Brees will not be the quarterback. And we will, from what, from the lips that I was able to read, Bill, it looks as if Jameis Winston is going to be the Saints quarterback next year. Well, that that's going to be interesting, right? Because Taysom Hill got a two-year, $16 million contract. Jameis Winston is on a one-year deal for like $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. So the Saints need to figure out, one, who's going to be their starting quarterback next year. And if it's Jameis Winston, two, how are they going to make him compete for that job and at the same time sign him to a long-term deal. It's very, very interesting what's going to happen with Winston, Taysom Hill, and Winston's contract situation. I don't know how they go into minicamp or OTAs or whatever without knowing who their starting quarterback is at the same time having to sign Jameis Winston. And if they do think that he's going to be their starter, then they have to sign him to a long-term contract from the get-go. Very, very – I'm going to follow that along uh, all, all this whole offseason because I think it's one of the more fascinating contract starting quarterback controversy situations in the entire NFL. Deshaun Watson, obviously, that's number one. But it, it's not – Winston and, and, and what his contract and what's going to happen with the Saints and Drew Brees is not being talked about enough. Um, but that that's going to be a main 
two or three months from now or whenever uh, free agency kicks off, I guess in the middle of March, that is going to be a big topic of conversation. I'm going to be paying very close attention to it. It, it was like this offseason, he had off a, a, a bigger money offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he went and played for New Orleans. On several times throughout the course of the season, I've heard former NFL executive Michael Lombardi say these exact words. Jameis Winston is the best fit at quarterback for what the Saints like to run. He said that many times because he does what Drew Brees does. Jameis Winston is good at throwing the ball up the seam. And when Drew Brees was at his best, he was throwing the ball straight up the seam to Jimmy Graham. Jameis right. Winston can make those throws. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And then you said the, 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 the lip readers on the sideline, Drew Brees said, I'm done. This is your team now. Well, why didn't he play when Drew Brees was out this year? That's what makes it so interesting. I, I think Sean Payton came out and said that we owed it to Taysom Hill to at least give him a chance, and that's why they signed him to the contract. Remember, they signed Jameis Winston just a couple days after giving um, Taysom Hill that contract extension. Yep. So it, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting thing with what the what the Saints do. Do they give him a long term contract? Long term, anything more than two years? Because that's what you know. If they give him three years or more, he's the guy. They're gonna he's the guy, and they're gonna have to pay him. And yeah. if he ends up not being the guy, if Taysom Hill, for however, out outworks him or looks better than him in camp, and all of a sudden he's the starter, the Saints are gonna look really bad. Yeah, no, they, they are going to look real bad. Let me, so just the fact of Jameis Winston replacing the legendary Drew Brees and possibly being the starting quarterback and the franchise quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, to me, that is the most fascinating thing in the world. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like, Jameis, don't mess this up, son. You know what I'm saying? Like, we like you. Please don't mess this up. You're better than Marcus Mariota. It's official now. Please don't mess this up. You know, you go from probably the most accurate passer in NFL history to Jameis Winston, who has a couple of seasons with more than 25 interceptions. And maybe this is what he needed. He needed to learn under a future Hall of Famer like Drew Brees with a head coach like Sean Payton. And now we'll see Jameis come out next year and, and just be incredible. It would be awesome. It would be quite the story. America always lo- loves uh, you know the underdog story. Yeah. And, and Jameis Winston goes from being the number one overall pick in his draft to now being more of that underdog kind of player that needs to prove himself. It's, it's 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 interesting, but it's the Teddy Bridgewater effect. You know, I think when you go to New Orleans and you get with Sean Payton and that crew and you're a quarterback, I think they help elevate your career to that next starting job. And it's interesting that the Saints said, you know what, let's keep him right here. If that is eventually going to be the case. Michael Thomas, though, I don't know if Michael Thomas is going to be there. So Michael Thomas came out and it was reported that he needed ankle surgery. Uh, he wanted to get it in the middle of the season. The team suggested he didn't because he was more valuable to the team even as a decoy than he was just not on the field at all. Um, he's another player that they gave a big contract to a couple of years ago, rightfully so. He's been dominant. Uh, I would be interested to see where Michael Thomas goes in in fantasy drafts. Where did he go in that in that draft that we did? I'm not, I, I I'm passed not sure. on, I passed on, on yeah. Michael Thomas. Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley all went ahead of Michael Thomas. Um, Thomas went in the middle of the second round, the Sean Childs. He went three straight wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, and A.J. Brown. So I, I'd be interested to see if Thomas – why not Thomas to the Ravens? We talked about the Baltimore Ravens being the number one option. I could see him going to Baltimore. 
interesting to see how this one shake out. Um, before we get up out of here, Bill, let's talk about the I guess really the top story in NFL circles right now, the rumor mill with the Deshaun Watson and the situation that's going on with him. Obviously, very disappointing with the Houston Texans. Uh, there's people over at SI Sports Radio have written uh, many stories on the Jack Jack Easterby and how that organization at the top seems to be kind of I hate to use the word toxic, but seems to be kind of toxic. Watson apparently wants out. His teammates are kind of like, we agree. And now we're starting to see the vultures start to swim around the Houston Texans as these quarterback-hungry teams. Like, listen, we got draft picks that we can give you. We want him. So so the Texans are, are two are – the Texans and the Eagles are the only two teams without a head coach right now. Um, there were seven to start the offseason. Five of them have filled their positions. Um that leaves the Texans and the, and the Eagles. So if the Texans somehow get Eric Bieniemy, I think that would satisfy Deshaun Watson. Um, only because Bieniemy has been so prolific, his offenses with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and he, he, he's going to be a head coach somewhere this year. There's only two more remaining spots. It's either in Houston or Philadelphia, right? So if somehow Bieniemy tells Deshaun Watson on the side, listen, let me go out and win this other Super Bowl, and then I'll be down in Houston with you, I think Watson stays. If not, He's out of the, he's out of town. And to me, it would make the most sense for the Texans to just go to Miami, get back their original draft pick, which is number three this year. They can get Tua in that deal as well. Maybe Miami sends another couple of picks their way. And, and then it's and then it's, you know, a done deal, signed, sealed, and delivered. But if Deshaun Watson and the Texans take their time, don't find any don't find any possible trade partners. Now we're past the draft. We're in August. It can get really, really ugly with this situation. And I want to see Deshaun Watson not only on the field, but I want to see him on a winning team that is going to really dedicate resources to building their franchise around him. And that's something the Texans failed to do. I don't know how they failed to do that. Franchise quarterbacks of Deshaun Watson's caliber, they're not readily available, right? And they really lucked into picking him in that draft because Mitch Trubisky got picked ahead of him. And you look around the league, there's maybe three or four quarterbacks that are better than Watson. So if Houston couldn't get their act together and recognize the greatness that they have in their quarterback right now, then let another team benefit from it because they're just going to end up wasting his career. And it's going to be really, really sad to see. Got two young quarterbacks on the up and coming. One of them has already won a Super Bowl in Patrick Mahomes. The other one is having maybe the year of his career in Josh Allen. They meet this Sunday, Bill, in the AFC Championship game. Who you got? I have the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is, is definitely going to get cleared to play. Um, the Chiefs have been my Super Bowl pick all year. I'm not going to go back against that now. The Bills have been tr tremendous. It's been really fun to see. I'm happy for their fans to have such a successful season. Uh, but the Chiefs, to me, are just – they're not even the cream of the crop. They're just an elite team that really no one else has the type of talent that they do. Um, I think they're they're just a dynasty in the making. They're just incredible. Yeah, and the head coach, Andy Reid, is a guy I really like a lot too, and I'm happy for him, and I wish him continued success. I'm with you on that one with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Buffalo Bills put up a hell of a fight. And in the NFC, we go to the other end. We go to guys that have been around for a while, that have already won championships, have already won MVPs. We have Tom Brady, the GOAT, versus Aaron Rodgers, like the GOAT-ish type guy right there. The frozen tundras of Lambeau Field, Bill, for the NFC Championship game. Who you got? 
I, I suggest that you do your the podcast in that voice um, from now on. <laughs> the whole episode, the whole episode, not just when you talk about the frozen tundra at Landerville Field. The whole episode, I want that voice. But uh, this is a really exciting game, right? Because you mentioned Brady versus Rodgers. I want to see the Packers win, and it's because I want to see the two best teams in the Super Bowl this year. And for a while, I was really on the Bucks as being the best team in the NFC. Um, they fell off a little bit toward the toward the middle of the season. Actually, they fell off right after Week Six when they beat the Packers. They really demolished them, thirty eight to ten, back in back in uh, October. But I want to see the two best teams in the Super Bowl and the two best teams all year, not just for glimpses, not just for you know a couple weeks at a time. Two best teams all year have been the Packers and the Chiefs. So that's a Super Bowl matchup I want to see. No doubt about it. I will go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers myself. I'm going with the Buccaneers versus the Kansas City Chiefs. I cannot believe this. Tom Brady could very well be back in Super Bowl in the NFC and all that Brady check, uh, Belichick and Brady talk. If that Listen, happens, Tampa Bay would be the first team ever to play the Super Bowl in their own home stadium. That would be that. You're right. That that Yes, the Dallas Cowboys were supposed to do that. It never happened. 